Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Hi, Ashley, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. No worries. I'm excited to talk to you today. We're talking all about Dutch testing, which I know is a topic you're very, very well versed in and use a lot in your own practice. So I'm really excited to yeah, introduce this type of testing to the listeners today. Amazing. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do, I'd love if you could just share a little bit about yourself, your background and sort of how you got into the hormone arena space. Absolutely. I feel like, like most practitioners, my own healing journey really brought me into wanting to learn more about hormones and really understand the role that they play. And like most people, I didn't really think about hormones unless we were talking about periods or, you know, having a baby until I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease impacting your thyroid. And for most people, who have autoimmune or have Hashimoto's, you're aware of all the different ways that it impacts your day-to-day life. And this had a sort of a ripple effect. And then I realized that, you know, my thyroid hormones were linked to my sex hormones, linked to my energy, my metabolism and how I was feeling every day. And so my own journey of trying to heal my hormones really brought me to this place where I realized that women are so disconnected from their body and, you know, for the most part dismissed far too often when they have hormonal issues. And so I went back to school to become a holistic nutritionist and really deep dive into functional medicine and how I can empower people to take their health into their own hands. And so that's what I do now full time. I have a practice in Toronto, Canada, where I work mostly remotely with clients all over the world, um, helping them to dive a little bit deeper into the why behind what's happening with their hormones and help them uncover really the root cause of what's pulling them back from feeling their best day to day. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think the feedback, which a lot of practitioners get is like, finally, someone listened to me and heard my symptoms and explained it to me in a way I understood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've sat down with clients that have no idea what any of these hormones, you know, mean or do, or the fact that, you know, anxiety and depression can be linked to our sex hormones. So it's really empowering. And I feel like it's really um, reassuring for a lot of clients to really understand how their body works and why it hasn't been working the way that they wish it had for a long time. So today we're talking about the Dutch test. And before we sort of get into the specifics around that, for anyone that hasn't heard of Dutch testing before, can you explain a little bit about what it is and when we would use it? Yeah, absolutely. So in my line of work, particularly with women's health and hormones, one of the biggest areas of debate is really around hormone testing. Women are confused about when to test their hormones or how to test their hormones. And if I'm honest, a lot of doctors are really confused as well. And so when, which is leaving a lot of women undiagnosed, underdiagnosed, undertreated when it comes to hormone imbalances, which we all know is really frustrating. So Dutch test is an, actually an acronym. So it's not actually Dutch, but it stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So in that it's a really comprehensive test of all of your different sex hormones. And it's a very sophisticated test that looks not just at your sex hormones, but actually how your body metabolizes those 
and breaks those down. So it looks at your reproductive hormones, although you can look at some of those via blood work, but it also looks at your stress hormones, your, which now more than ever during the past two years, we should be thinking about how our stress hormones, you know, where they're at and how we can support them. It looks at your androgens. So all of your male pattern sex hormones and your melatonin levels and the newer Dutch hormone test out that came out in the past couple of years also looks at organic acids. So these are sort of biomarkers of nutritional status inside of your body. And that is the Dutch used most often in my practice. And I guess you sort of went over it, but how does that, the metabolite side of things compare to saliva testing or so you kind of answered this question or touched on it a little bit but how does dutch testing compare to say our other methods of hormone testing say um, serum blood testing or saliva such a great question and this is something a lot of my clients ask me so i'm glad that you asked as well so let's compare the two when we look at dutch testing it's really using dried urine and what this does is it allows us to look at a couple things that are unique that we otherwise can't draw from blood work for example our dineural rhythm. And that's really the pattern of cortisol. So I want you to think of this as your energy production and so kind of like gas in the tank throughout the day. And this is really necessary part for a picture of full adrenal health on blood work. On the other hand, we can look at cortisol, but typically we just test AM cortisol. And I will have you think, what is it like by the time you wake up, get to the lab, drive there, have the stress of white coat syndrome, and then have your cortisol tested? So I always get my clients to think, is that an accurate representation of how you feel first thing in the morning when you roll out of bed? Or is that how you feel when you're super stressed? And so people who have low clinical AM cortisol, often it won't show up on blood work the same way because you, your cortisol has to spike to get you to the lab and, you know, through that testing process. So it's really helpful for this beautiful, like full picture adrenal health. It's also super easy to collect. So no need to go to labs and, you know, hospitals to get blood work drawn, no need to have any needles for a lot of my needle, um, my patients who are very afraid of having needles and blood draw that takes out that whole uncomfortness, uncomfortableness that, you know, otherwise they would have to experience the Dutch test is collected via five different urine samples throughout a 24 hour period. So nice and easy, just basically similar to a pregnancy test, peeing on this filter paper throughout the day, and then drying that out for 24 hours. And then we, we have this beautiful collection that can allow us to have a lot of data. It also gives you this full overview of all your sex hormones, but also how they're metabolized. And we can talk more about metabolism and how that is so important, but blood work will never show you hormone metabolism. So it'll show you like how much you have, not how well your body gets rid of it or breaks it down. And then what that could mean for the rest of your body in terms of increased risk of other things. And then it's very hard also to co collect nutrient status via blood work. Yes, we can do B12. Oftentimes practitioners are not going to be checking, you know, B6, other key neurotransmitters like dopamine, norepinephrine, melatonin. I've never had my melatonin levels checked on blood work. I don't know about you guys and also oxidative stress. So the benefit of, of blood work for a lot of people in areas where this sort of testing is free or, you know, covered by OHIP. here in Canada, we call it OHIP, which is basically like a provincial healthcare. And I don't know if you have something similar. Yeah. There. We have Medicare in Australia. Yeah. Medicare. Yeah. So, I mean, and certain things are covered for free under that. And, you know, it's beautiful to access that. And oftentimes I'll get my clients to do both. 
Like, let's really see. And so that way, when we do a dried urine test, we can match that up with some of the current parameters of where your blood is at. And then maybe we don't want to reinvest in, you know, another $400 Dutch hormone test, 400 Canadian Dutch hormone test in the future. Maybe we can just retest blood work and match that up in six months or four months from now and kind of see how were we able to push some of those parameters that we wanted to improve and have we seen some based improvements. So we don't always have to rely on um, dried urine, but I think it's really, really fabulous thing for those who are struggling with hormone imbalances um, so we can understand hormone metabolism. Yeah, definitely. I think it is an investment. I believe here in Australia, it's similar. So it's around $380. And obviously that is an investment for um, a lot of people, but at the same time, you get so much information from that test. And I don't know what it's like in Canada, but at least here in Australia, we can have access to blood tests via our GP, which is something that I help my clients with. But in saying that there's so much variation depending on which GP you see, how averse or open they are to working with a nutritionist. And also just some tests have sort of, I guess, roadblocks, say thyroid testing, for example, like we'll only test TSH in Australia. And if and when that's out of range, then under Medicare, you can have your T4 tested. And then if and when that's out of range, you can then go on to have further testing. So some GPs will also look at a referral for hormone testing here and kind of just say, no, like I'm not going to approve those things because they obviously just, that's not maybe their area of expertise or, you know, for other reasons as well. So it is an investment, but you just get so much information from it. I think as you would know, it's really easy to waste time and money on things that don't work when you don't have that full picture. So it's such a great, great thing to do if you can invest in it. Absolutely. And I can't even tell you like how many of my clients will show up here at the clinic with like a bag full of supplements being like, I've tried all these and it's got to be like thousands of dollars and, you know, supplements and none of them are actually helping them, but it's something that they've, you know, seen on Instagram or tried or, and it's really not strategic. So I always say like, it gives you the best healing, the fast tracks you're healing, but it also really changes how you spend your money. You can spend your money more strategically on actually fixing the issue rather than guessing and working off of symptoms alone. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, going back to the diurnal rhythm that you mentioned as well, like we get more of that, I guess, upstream information about what's also potentially causing the hormone imbalances. If we're talking about sex hormones specifically, it's often not you know, it's not generally an issue with estrogen and progesterone themselves. It's kind of something more than that. And so the Dutch does provide more of that sort of full picture. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of clues and patterns, even into things like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth or methylation issues that sometimes we were not even thinking maybe related to mm-hmm. your hormone imbalance, but a lot of those are coming through on the Dutch as well. And often I'll use that in combination with some GI map stool testing for my clients to further investigate root causes of when I see those flags that point me into an area where it needs a little bit more attention. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess how do we do the test, which you sort of explained, you do it at home and also when in your cycle should you be testing? And does that depend on what things we're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So for the most common Dutch hormone test, which is Dutch complete, most people are going to be testing on day 19 to 21 if they have a 28 day cycle. And if you have a shorter cycle, you just minus a few days. And if you have a longer cycle, you just add them on. Essentially, the key time to test your Dutch hormone test is five to seven days after you ovulate. So if you're using LH strips, you can track ovulation and know that that's going to happen in then like the next 24 to 36 hours. And then 
then count five to seven days after that. And that really gives you the optimal window where we're looking for that progesterone spike. And we're looking for that time, which is essentially seven days before your next bleed, where all of your hormones are in this pretty like ideal alignment of elevated progesterone, medium uh, estrogen. And that's where we start to see those imbalances of, you know, the estrogen ratios go off and things like that. So we're looking at that five to seven days after you ovulate. And the beauty of it is that you just need to know when you're ovulating, or we can help you via LH strips. If you've ever used those, it's lots of fun. And then it's just a urine based test. So you do it with the first pee of the morning. If you wake up in the middle of the night and have to pee, you also check that time as well. And then two hours later, you want to avoid coffee just for that first two hours so that we're not getting a false negative on how high your cortisol really rises. And for a lot of my clients, that's the hardest part of the test, avoiding their morning coffee, which is okay. And then you're going to test again at dinner time and then again at bedtime. So it's very simple four easy tests. You just dry them out for 24 hours, pack them up and then ship them on their way. And the only lab in the world that runs this test is in Oregon. So it has to go back to the US. And then in about two weeks, we have all of the data and we have this beautiful report that really explains what's happening with your hormones. Yes, it's very comprehensive. It's a beautiful, I love getting them. It's so exciting when you get them. I mean, maybe that's just us, <laughs> but it is exciting when you get them back. Going back to the ovulation side of things, if you're someone who's having either an ovulatory cycles or doesn't, you know, has amenorrhea, so doesn't have a menstrual cycle at all, can they still be using Dutch testing? Yes, absolutely. So there's a few different kind of schools of thought around this, but there is a, a type of testing called cycle testing. And this is where you're actually testing every, I think it's every third day throughout the month. And you're doing that urine test on every third day. And then during that ovulatory window, you're actually doing that for, you know, first thing in the morning, two hours later, dinner, and then bedtime test. And essentially what this does is it kind of shows us what the rise and fall of your key hormones, especially estrogen and progesterone look like over an entire month. Mm -hmm. And for some people who have irregular cycles or maybe not sure about what's going on with their cycle, this can be a great option for people who are on IUDs or things like that. This can be a really good option as well. If you're not cycling and you want to kind of see where you're at, I'll use this for some of my clients in menopause as well, especially if they're on hormone replacement therapy as well. So this is a great option. You did mention amenorrhea. So I mm -hmm. wanted to mention my thoughts on using Dutch hormone tests for that because an absent period is really a symptom of something else going on in your body. Body. And so it's not always a time where we want to lean on investing $400 into Dutch hormone testing in my experience. And uh, what I like to do is do a little bit of a further investigation into what might really be causing that lack of period rather than just looking at these flat lines of hormones, because often when a patient has amenorrhea, a lot of their other secondary sex hormones are quite low. And it's rarely an issue with how they're processing and eliminating hormones. And it's more of an issue with their fundamental nutritional status. Mm. It's quite low. And so common stressors cause amenorrhea, including over-exercising or under-eating and or too, exercising too much or fasting too long, not getting enough sleep, low body fat, and really losing weight too quickly. And all of these create this massive stressor on our body where it shuts down secondary sex hormone activity and really goes into what I'd call survival mode, right? It's just trying to keep those primary systems operate, operating. So there are thought to be three root causes of functional um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. 
And the number one is stress, which, you know, is a big bundle. And then there's under eating and over exercising, which are just two other forms of stressors on our body. Mm -hmm. And we could really just chalk that all up to stress period. So for this reason, we often see really high circulating levels of cortisol for women with amenorrhea on a Dutch. And in addition to like low, I use blood work mostly, I'll be honest for amenorrhea. So I'll see high cortisol. I'll see low FSH, low LH, which is luteinizing hormone that tells your body to ovulate. We'll see low levels of estrogen and often progesterone, even see low serum levels of insulin, low insulin growth factor, low ghrelin, which means that their appetite is really not stimulated, right? And even low uh, T4 or other thyroid hormones. So when I'm looking at that, I I do prefer to use blood work, just save my clients a lot of money because we're going to know that all the hormones are low. And there's a lot of lifestyle interventions that we have to put into place before we even start worrying about how balanced are your hormones. Because if you're not getting a period, you know that your hormones are unbalanced. And typically it's an FSH LH issue. And typically that's from a chronic physiological stressor again, over eating or under eating over exercising or even gut infection. So I, I have a client recently, she was periodless for four years and she had gone to see everybody under the sun. And I always tell like my clients, I'm usually the fifth or sixth stop on the train before you know, in terms of my clients, because it's, it's an investment to work with a functional practitioner. And I really only work with clients when they're ready to do functional testing. And so instead of doing Dutch hormone tests, we talked a lot about her symptoms and a lot of them were rooted in her, in her digestive issues. And she had had a history of under eating and, you know, issues with eating in the past. And that led to a really bad overgrowth of bacterial in her bacteria in her small intestine and yeast as well. So when we did a stool test, we saw that she had all of these chronic gut issues. And within three weeks of being on the supplements to get rid of though that bacterial overgrowth, she got her period back. And we both cried, you know, because it wasn't a hormone issue. It was actually her body in stress. And all of that gut dysbiosis was from the original under eating stressor, right? So it's definitely always more complicated. And I think that there's a lot of things that we can put in place before doing Dutch for amenorrhea, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think with sex hormone imbalances, they're a symptom of something else more often than not. And certainly the absence of a menstrual cycle is a symptom in of itself. It's not the issue. It's a symptom of something else in our body that's not well-regulated, not working correctly for whatever reason. And just going back to what you said before about the foundational things with amenorrhea. I'm not too sure what you do in your clinic, but often just when you're talking to a client, you can really tell that they don't have a lot of those foundational pieces in place first. And I'm often working on these first and then getting to the testing side of things, right? Because often you, sometimes you might need further testing, like especially if you're that practitioner where you're the fourth or fifth stop um, in someone's journey, right? They've probably tried all the things by the time they come to see you. But I often see people that really just don't have you know, whether it's they're not eating breakfast and then they're having three coffees a day and then they're doing, you know, CrossFit every day or whatever it is. It's kind of all those foundational pieces that are out of whack. And so I often spend a few months first working on that and then say, look, if things haven't resolved by X time, then we can look further into your hormones. Yeah, absolutely. Those foundational things are really, really important. I unfortunately rarely have a patient come to me that's already not nailing those foundations. And oftentimes they're like, and here's my beautiful food diary. And I'm like, you eat better than I do. Like, 
they're really, really getting it, but there's something else that's kind of like Mm -hmm. kind of keeping them hung up, right? Whether it is a gut issue or whether it's a pituitary issue and that kind of thing. So those foundational things are definitely not to be overlooked and sometimes really hard for even us to maintain, right? There's nights where I'm like, okay, I really see that I'm not getting the night right around of sleep and I can start to feel, you know, my blood sugar changes and things like that. So yeah, I think the biggest focus when it comes to hormone healing, creating hormone harmony in our body is really um, nailing those foundations of sleep, blood sugar support, consistently nourishing yourself, stress management for sure. And then making sure that the way that you move your body and how you're exercising matches up with your hormone story, right? Like, Mm -hmm. are you a person that should be doing five hit classes a day? I had a client with PCOS actually this week, just say she's a trainer and she's, she's like, I live for working out. And I was like, I wish I could have one ounce of that energy, but she's like, just tell me that I'll be able to do like one hit class and go for a run at night. And I was like with PCOS and manage your PCOS every day. Absolutely not. And so making sure that we have this realistic expectation about how we move our body and that works in synchronicity with how our hormones are like what our hormone baseline rate is essentially Mm -hmm. and how we want to feel in our body. Yes, definitely. So important. It's those unsexy things that really do make such a big difference. And then if they're all in place and we still don't have those results, that's where using something like Dutch can obviously be amazing. I'd love to touch on how women entering perimenopause and even menopause can benefit and use Dutch testing as well? Yes. So I think a couple of different ways for perimenopause, Dutch, I should say, is relevant for also men and also any age. So I can use it on like a 16 year old girl who just started getting debilitating periods to, you know, a 60 year old woman in menopause. Um, I often use it in my practice in perimenopause and menopause for people who are already on hormone replacement therapy, not guided by me, by other practitioners who are just looking to do like a six month or annual check-in, like, is this working for me? Mm-hmm. And then am I metabolizing those hormones that I'm putting into my body in the right way? And I'd love to talk a little bit more about hormone metabolism after, but for perimenopause, I think people are always like, am I almost there? You know, like how much longer is this perimenopause journey going to carry on for? And kind of like, how much do I have left in terms of estrogen production and progesterone production? And it is such a great tool to use either annually, um, like most of my clients in menopause or perimenopause and just kind of tracking the progression and then seeing how else that they they can support themselves. Because I talk about this transition into perimenopause and menopause, like a three-legged stool. And I give this analogy often in my practice. So imagine one leg being your adrenals, the other leg being your thyroid, and the third leg being your ovaries, which are producing this estrogen and progesterone. Okay. And so when that estrogen and progesterone function starts to slow down, it can be really debilitating. It can feel like literally you're standing on this two-legged, super wobbly situation, especially if your thyroid function is suboptimal or if your adrenal function is suboptimal. So for a lot of my clients using the Dutch tells us like how strong are all three of those legs, which can save us from having this debilitating slide into perimenopause with all of those sort of perimenopause menopausal symptoms, or we can strengthen those two other legs so that when your body does slow down ovarian function and you're making less estrogen and less progesterone, it's not so debilitating and you don't literally fall over and feel like all of your systems are collapsing. Right. And so that, that just eases that transition and knowing how we can, knowing how things are working and knowing how we can optimize things, I think really empowers us as like my practitioner, as a practitioner, but also as for my patients 
And patients love data. People love to see numbers. And like, if you can tell somebody how their body's working on data and metrics, they will actually be more enthusiastic about complying. And I know that for myself. Like when I see data, I'm like, I will take that supplement. If you're like, you need this, I'm like, mm, questionable, but show me data and I am willing to comply 100%. So it also really helps people with compliance and being more dedicated to their own healing as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think people love to geek out on results with you and go through those numbers. And it is such a huge tool for compliance as well. So important. Going back to the metabolism side of things, could you just give us, I guess, a bit of an overview initially? What, like, what, how do we metabolize our hormones? And sort of then we'll talk about what we're looking at in terms of that on the Dutch test. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the key elements of Dutch testing is that it looks at your hormone metabolites. And I really question, I mean, I love the adrenal panel, but I really question how much I would use this test if it wasn't for metabolites. I feel like that is the best thing that we can learn about our body. So if you're sitting here and you're like, well, what's a metabolite? It's actually when your body takes a hormone, for example, estrogen, we all know estrogen, and it has to be processed or sort of broken down in the body via your liver. And through that process of phase one, phase two, detoxification, it's, you end up with different, um, end products. So it's kind of like putting food into a blender and then voila, you get a smoothie. That's a metabolite of all those elements that you put in together. Similarly. So we want to know when we put estrogen into your body, when it makes its way through your liver, how much comes out each pathway and what does that look like? And that will really tell us a lot about what's going on in your body and how we can augment and shift the potential for hormone-related cancers or growth and proliferation of things like cysts and fibroids, which is really, really important, especially if you have a history of any of those in your family or within your own health history. Mm. So I can tell you a little bit more about like what the three different metabolites. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. So we're mostly looking at estrogen and the normal estrogen estrogen metabolism is down three different pathways and they color them primary colors on the Dutch test, which is really helpful. The green pathway is the H pathway. And that's our really like healthy and protective pathway. And we want about 70% of our estrogens to flow down this pathway. And it's really about the ratio. That's the most important because you could have very little estrogen flowing through, but if the ratios are off, that increases the risk of abnormalities. Then you want about 10% to go down this 4-OH pathway. And this pathway is considered the most genotoxic and its metabolites can create these reactive proteins that actually damage our DNA, okay? And so we don't want, you know, 20 or 30% to flow down this red pathway, right? Red meaning a warning signal because that can really increase our risk of hormone-related cancers in women, that's looking like breast cancer, thyroid, and ovarian and endometrial. And in men, very same, including prostate cancer. Okay. And then we have our blue pathway, which we only want about 20% to flow down. And that's called our 16-OH pathway. And this third pathway creates the most estrogenic of metabolites. So it is considered less estrogenic than the other, but it's really being shown to encourage tumor growth and development but also growth of things like fibroids and cysts. And I just imagine this like a growth activator, like almost like a light switch. Is it growing or is it not? And I really, anytime I see this above 20% in my clients, we do a lot of work to shift that. The cool part about our job is that we can change the flow of this. And imagine if like 70% is flowing down one tube, 10 and 20 down the others, we can change and shift the flow of that 
just by doing things nutritionally and with herbal medicine to support the way your liver handles all these estrogens. So if you have really slow or you have issues in that balance, it can be a sign of liver sluggishness is how people would, you know, kind of term it in the normal world, instead of talking about, you know, metabolite imbalances. And then we have our phase two metabolism, which is really a process of our estrogens going through further detoxification and becoming water soluble. This is important because we have to poo them out or we have to poo them out or make sure that we're urinating them out. And that's the only way that these hormones are leaving our body. We also want this process of methylation to happen, which essentially neutralizes these estrogens and makes them less harmful so we can easily excrete them out. Sometimes people will have issues with their gut where they have elevated beta-glucuronidase, which is what I call phase three metabolism, where their body's actually like kind of reactivating it. And I always imagine this, like taking the garbage to the curb and then turning around and going back inside and somebody's brought it back into the house, right? We're like trying to get rid of it, but it just keeps reappearing. And so that can create a lot of issues where we have like heavy periods or um, a lot of PMS type symptoms where estrogen keeps recirculating. So overall, when we look at this metabolism, how your body spits out all of these hormones, we can assess like, how's it doing? How's does phase one need support? Does phase two need support? We can also see if phase three needs support via stool testing. And then we can use really strategic supplements and herbs so that we're one saving you money, but also getting right down to it and fixing the issue at its root. Yeah. I, it's fascinating. Like that part of the test, I think is I I love looking at it. It's just such powerful information, I think, as well for not just your right now symptoms and health, but certainly your long-term health as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I can tell share from my experience when I did the Dutch hormone test, I have a history of thyroid cancer. So at age 27, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and I saw my estrogen metabolism and I was like, oh, I see exactly why I had thyroid cancer. Like my body could not get rid of or excrete hormones and my liver was really struggling with hormones, but everything else goes down that same pathway, right? The medications we take, the chemicals we're exposed to, there's chemicals in our food, in our cosmetics, alcohol, um, any sort of toxins essentially are flowing down those pathways as well. And so if our body's having trouble excreting hormones, it's having trouble excreting all those toxins in the exact same way. So learning that I saw my, my 4-OH, my red pathway was elevated and it was like at 19%, which is quite high. And I was like, oh, there we go. That's sort of like this pattern. If I don't change the way my body's metabolizing these hormones, I'm going to continue to have this DNA damage and increased risk of hormone related cancers in my future. So I love using it as a really empowering tool, even for women with history of these hormone related cancers in their family to say, Hey, look, your body's doing this really interesting thing over here. Let's empower you to understand what's happening and then change the narrative on that story so that this doesn't happen to you. Right. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And then do you recommend say if, you know, well, just in general, but I suppose if you've seen a client who's had uh, problematic uh, metabolism, do you then recommend that every now and then, if possible, they're looking at retesting just to have a little look on those throughout their lifetime? Yeah, I think it's really, really valuable. I have a few clients who've had history of breast cancer and they just retest every year to every two years, depending on like budget and, you know, what's happening in their life. But I feel like it's a really great, like right track plan. Yeah, absolutely. Who want to do like breast thermography to make sure that they're having no reoccurrences. But I feel like it's even earlier than that because you can see tenancies before something metastasizes or gets more serious. So definitely something I recommend. And the nice part is with Dutch is you can, when you work with a practitioner, you can pick 
and kind of break down the panel. So you don't necessarily have to do the full panel over again. You could just do sex hormone metabolites and you can, you know, skip other elements. If that's something that everything's fine with my adrenals, I didn't need to retest that, which is also really helpful for just saving some money and that making that something that a client could actually do annually as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think I know everyone's budget's different, but, you know, annually to get that peace of mind, it is a small investment really in your long-term health. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just quickly, and I know this is a huge topic, but what are some of the, I guess, foundational nutritional pieces that would help to improve your hormone metabolism? Yeah, such a great question. So when we're looking at your liver, it actually runs on a whole bunch of vitamins, mostly B vitamins, vitamin C, especially vitamin C guys. The interesting thing about vitamin C is it's water soluble. So it's leaving your body every four hours. So if you are supplementing with vitamin C, you're going to want to kind of space out and pace out the dosing, but it runs a lot on protein. So certain amino acids, they really help with um, your liver for phase two detoxification. And this is where a lot of people really struggle. B12, especially if your B12 status is quite low, magnesium is really important for methylation. So really thinking about making sure that you're boosting up your vitamin and antioxidant status. And and that doesn't mean just taking a whole bunch of supplements. You certainly could take a strategic like liver support. I usually do like NAC and an amino detox formula for my clients. You could do glutathione depending and, or you can just really focus on nutritionally amping up your fruits and vegetables bright rainbow, colorful foods is always like the liver's best friend. And then making sure that you're getting adequate amounts of protein. This is the number one issue actually with a lot of my clients. And I'm sure it is in your practice too, is women just are not eating enough protein, especially on a plant-based diet. So being super cautious of that and getting high quality protein into your diet really helps your liver. And you would think it's opposite. You're like, oh, that would be like heavy and that would bog it down. But those amino acids are really, really important for liver support. So focusing again, like plants, plant food, plants are your best friend, and then making sure you have high quality protein, which I think is also ironically the foundation of hormone health in general, for sure. uh, you know, and, you know, blood sugar stabilization and all of those things, but that's definitely one of the best ways to live on our liver. If you're not already taking some of those, you can certainly, you know, try to bring in some more antioxidant rich foods and supplements into your diet and see how that changes some great herbs for liver support of course, dandelion, the notorious one. Milk thistle is also amazing for liver support as well. So you can anchor in some of those or just do like a gentle liver tincture. There's so many great ones on the market now that will just kind of help to provide some plant medicines that will kind of boost up and help your liver move along as well. Definitely see a lot of under eating of protein in my I feel like it's the hardest macronutrient to really get people to eat. And I think when you read online, like if you're doctor Googling liver support or something, it's not always something that comes up. Like the greens come up, the dandelion will come up and, you know, maybe, I don't know, citrus and things like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. And you see, you know, like those juice cleansers and things like that for liver support. And I, every time I look at those, I'm like, you're just missing half of it though. Like there's some good things in there for sure. But yeah, you really need those amino acids. Otherwise you just literally don't have the raw materials for those processes to, to work. Absolutely. And that's actually like, when I look at like the hundreds of Dutch tests that I've done, most people actually have phase two liver imbalances more than the phase one, I'd say. And so really thinking about that methylation, supporting that COMT gene, which is really coming down to um, protein and antioxidants. 
Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and that's a big topic in of itself as well, the genetic component, which we won't get to today. I've loved this conversation today, Ashley, and I love the Dutch test. I love hearing about it. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Oh, thank you. I could talk about it for hours. So thanks for opening up and uh, letting me share some things that I'm super passionate about. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's fascinating. And if anyone listening wants to find out more about you or get in touch with you, could you tell us where they can find you and where they can find out more about what you're doing? Absolutely. So I spend most of my time on Instagram at the Soulful Sprout. And um, also my website is the sprout.com. So you can read a little bit about what it means to work with me and some of the processes of functional testing. And I have some great blog posts on Dutch. So if you're like, mm, I, I want to dig in a little more, there's some great resources for you there as well. And um, I recently launched a new tea line, which is supportive to each phase of your cycle. So really helping to balance and support hormone production through the menstrual cycle. So there's four different teas there. We're not shipping to Australia yet, but it's one of my 2022 goals. So if you are somewhere in North America and you're wanting to dive into some plant medicines to help support hormone balance and love on your liver a little bit, it's called Soulful Tea Blend. So you can check that out on Instagram and um, it has its own website as well. Okay, perfect. I'll put all of those links and everything in the show notes and fingers crossed for 2022. I'd love to get my hands on some of that tea. That sounds great. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.